for the past 48 hours or so you've been hearing watching reading endless talk about the four key states the four key states which went to the polls that is madhya pradesh rajasthan chatisgarh and telangana now of course those are important states they sent 82 mps to lok sabha national parliament why should we then bother about the one that le got left out which sends only one mp to lok sabha that is mizoram but if you track the print closely if you've done so for any period of time, you will know that we take the Northeast very seriously at the print. So Mizoram, very important state for India. Every state of India is as important as any other. And this in particular is a state on the peripheries. It's a border state. Look at the map of India and look at where Mizoram is positioned. It's the southernmost state of the Northeastern region. And see how much of the border does it share with on two sides with Bangladesh and Myanmar. These are very sensitive borders. These are sensitive not just for immigration and security, but these are also sensitive because a lot of India's Lukis policy, connectivity going into the east, river water transport, etc., are dependent on Mizoram. Also, it shares its borders with three key northeastern states. That is, that is Tripura, Manipur, and Assam. In fact, the way to go into Mizoram from the mainland, from, from, from the plains, is via Silchar, which is, which is a district in Assam as well, in the Kachar region of Assam. Now, Mizoram went to the polls and delivered a big surprise. Once again, like the surprise, say, in Chhattisgarh, or the surprise, the size of the swing in Madhya Pradesh, the surprise in Mizoram was that the established party, Mizo National Front, which for the longest time was the party of the Mizo underground, was very popular, has ruled Mizoram in, 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 in several terms, for several terms since the peace accord in 1986, which brought it overground. That party got defeated quite badly and a new regional force has emerged. This new regional force is Zoram People's Movement, ZPM. ZPM led by its charismatic leader, not that young, at 74, but younger than the incumbent, than the outgoing incumbent. That was Ram Thanga, who was going to be almost 80. Now, Lal Dohoma is the new chief minister to be. He's got elected. It's a party that he founded, or in fact, he found, founded another party, which he merged into this one. And this, this party is, and this party, ZPM is what he leads, what he leads now. And that is what has got a majority. He is now going to be the new chief minister. Now, many important indicators have emerged from this small state, from the election in this small state. First of all, we can say that this is the end of the underground era. The, the, end, of the end of the underground action was over in 1986 with the Mizoram Peace Accord. But since then, people who had been leaders in the, in the underground, either those who had come overground earlier like Mr. Lal Thanhola, the former chief minister, the congress leader, or then Zoram Thanga, who came in, who came, who came over, over ground later with the main peace accord in 1986. It was mainly people of the former Mizo underground who had been ruling the state as chief ministers. So Lal Thanhola was there when the Mizo, Mizo peace accord was signed. Lal Thanhola was the foreign secretary or like the foreign minister in the in the MNF 1966 onwards. He was only born, I think, in 1944 or thereabouts. So 
a young foreign secretary. But he came, he was arrested in 1966-67, he was in jail and that's when intelligence people got in touch with him and persuaded him to come over ground and join the mainstream. He was, he was the chief minister when the peace accord was signed. In fact, even before him, the chief minister from 1978 onwards was Brigadier T.N. Silo, who was, or, or, who was obviously not from the underground because he was a genuine brigadier of Indian Army. In fact, he had seen action in the Balong sector in the, in the 1962 war where Indian Army fought quite valiantly. That was the eastern part of what is now Arunachal Pradesh, used to be Nefa then. So Brigadier Silo became chief minister. He also had a strong MNF connection because his son, Lal Sangliana, at that point was a key figure, a key young figure in Lal Denga's group in the, in the, in the underground. He came overground much later. So there was always an MNF connection. Now, after this entire era of 45 years plus, you have a situation where the leader is somebody who's never been in MNF, who's never been underground, whose family has never had a direct MNF connection, or let me say whose immediate family has not had an MNF con connection. That said, it's not as if MNF in some ways or the Mizo underground movement or insurgency in some ways has not played a role in shaping his career. So he is a former cop. He is a 1977 batch IPS officer. In 1972, he started working as secretary like a special assistant to a gentleman called Mr. Chal Chunga. Mr. Chal Chunga used to be the chief executive member of the Mizoram District Council. That is before the, before the district became a union territory in 1972. As it became a union territory in 1972, Mr. Chal Chunga became its first chief minister his own party or his group, which was Mizo Union, now merged with the Congress, so it became part of the Congress. His special assistant was a young man called Lal Dohoma. Lal Dohoma, he was not a graduate yet. He apparently kept studying in a night college and in evening college, self-financed his studies, graduated and finally got selected in the IPS, in the Union Territory Cadre, obviously, because he served in Goa and made quite a name for himself for his action against drug pushers and, and, and the hippie, hippie groups as well. Now, from there, because media hailed him, he was noticed. He was seen as a young cop hero. This was much before the Singham era. And he was brought into Delhi. He was, he was, he was, he, he was lionized and given key positions. In fact, in 1982, he was also a key figure in the Asian Games Organizing Committee with Rajiv Gandhi. By 1984, he was heading the security detail for Mrs. Gandhi, for Indra Gandhi. It was around that time that Indra Gandhi always would have eye for, eye for talent, right? She thought that Lal Dohoma had political talent but also utility in the national interest. He was a Mizo, so she persuaded him to give up the IPS, to resign from the IPS, join the Congress party. He became president of the Congress party in Mizoram on 31st May 1984 and his KRA was only one. His KRA for now was to reach out to Lal Denga who was now in exile in London and to persuade him to come over and to sign a peace accord with government of India. Lal Denga by this time had been in a lot of trouble. He had been asking for peace for quite some time. In fact, in mid-1975, he had written a letter to Mrs. Gandhi in August, 28th August, August 1975. 
He also subsequently wrote letters to Morarji Desai, who became Prime Minister after Mrs. Gandhi was defeated in the 1977 election, and also to Chaudhary Charan Singh, who used to be Home Minister of India, because he wanted peace. But you know what happened? In 1975, while in August 1975, Lal wanted peace and a settlement within the, within the parameters of the Constitution of India. It was in the same year, in January, in fact, on January 30, 1975, that MNF people, a group of MNF assassins, they broke into the office of the Inspector General of Police. Then the IGP used to be the boss of the police there. IGP then was Mr. G.S. Arya. So the IG, Mr. Arya, along with his DIG and Special Branch SP, that is K. Panch Pagesan and L.B. Seva, they were holding a meeting. These assassins came in and they killed everybody. So this was the massacre of the entire top brass. So think about it. This happened in 1975. And what a big sensation it would have made this in any case, this in a way, because this involved the state's police chief, this was even bigger in its dimensions than the killing, the unfortunate killing of those senior officers of Mumbai police in the early, early hours of the 26-11 attacks in Mumbai. Now, the shadow of that tragedy or that attack or that setback hung heavy in the air in 1975 and that's why a peace wasn't possible. Also, within Lal Denga's own group, they were hawks who did not want peace. By, by early 1980s, on the other hand, it was quite evident that Lal Denga really wanted peace and even he'd been able to prevail over his hawks as well. His people had been meeting Indian operatives in Geneva and other places. In fact, the person he had assigned to lead his negotiations with Indian intelligence people in Geneva was none else than Zoram Thanga, who later became chief minister of the state and his successor after Lal Denga passed away, he took, took over the party. He used to be the vice president of Mizo National Front under Lal Denga. So once again, to repeat, Lal Thanhala, who was Congress party's chief minister for quite some time for multiple terms, he had been foreign secretary in the MNF in late 60s or mid, late mid 60s and then Lal Denga became chief minister and then and Zoram Thanga after that. So until now, anybody leading Mizoram drew their power in some ways in case of Brigadier Silo indirectly, in the case of others, all the others who succeeded him, Lal Thanhaula, Lal Denga, Zoram Thanga directly from MNF or from MNF origins. Lal Dohuma is the first one who's not like that. He's a former cop. So he was fighting for Indian security, not on the other side. And then after Mrs. Gandhi persuaded him to resign and he joined politics, he started reaching out to Lal Denga and moving, moving his state and India towards peace. In fact, the story is that on 31st October 1984, Lal Denga, who had been brought in earlier, brought back to India with the efforts of Lal Dohoma, he was to meet Mrs. Indra Gandhi and that is precisely the day she got assassinated. So the peace process got pushed back a little bit. That is something that Lal Dohoma has said to Saurabh Roy Burman, my colleague, whose story I have shared with you. But then Rajiv took over. As Rajiv took over in the 1984 elections, Lal Dohoma contested on a Congress ticket, about which also there is a story, contested on a Congress ticket and won that election and became an MP. As he became, while he became an MP, he continued his peace efforts with Lal Denga. They were there. There were lots of interesting people involved in in that situation. In fact, until 1980, Mr. Ajit Doval, our current NSA, he was ADSIB. He was heading the intelligence bureau in Aizol. So there were lots of connections at that point. 
and a lot of familiar people were operating in that area. As a result of these efforts, by June 1986, the peace accord was signed. As part of the peace accord was, was an understanding that Mizoram will now be declared a full-fledged state. It will become the 23rd state in the union. With that, MNF will come overground. It will be given general amnesty. Its cadres will be given general amnesty. And MNF will now become a political party and contest elections. And until that election was to take place, there was to be there was to be an interim administration headed by Mr. Lal Denga. Under that interim administration, Lal Thanala, who was the incumbent chief minister of the Congress party, he was to, to then become deputy chief minister. So obviously, he did not like that idea and he kept on resisting this. So as he resisted this, mass protests broke out in Mizoram because people wanted peace. It was in that period that Lal Dohama got estranged with his party and he started going, going some distance away. In the course of time, he broke away from his party because he did so in protest. He did so in protest by saying that my party's leaders, leaders are delaying the peace process. They are not keeping their commitments. And also because he had been part of the peace process, he broke away. Because he broke away, he became that unusual, unusual politician in India who got disqualified under anti-defection law for leaving his own party and not joining any other party. He did not defect to any other party. He just got elected on the ticket of one party and then he resigned from that party and that's why by 1988 he was disqualified. He also became a doubly unusual politician to have this, if I may call it, dubious distinction of being disqualified twice under the anti-defection law and both times for ludicrous reasons. Second time he founded his own party, Zoram National Front and while work on that party was still going on, he merged his party along with many other small ones with Zoram People's Movement. That was that was like an umbrella coalition. This then filed an application to become a party that the election commission took its time allowing. Lal Homa, meanwhile contested on an independent ticket, got elected like that, but became president of ZPM. Because it did so, other MLAs filed cases against him demanding his disqualification under anti-defection law because he had got elected as an, as an independent but had now become president of another party. So he got disqualified a second time. It is that unusual character with such a colorful history who's now become the chief minister of Mizoram. So it's that interesting personality, that, that remarkable character who's now, who now seems set on his way to becoming the chief minister of Mizoram. The first not MNF connected chief minister of Mizoram in a very long time. He has said some interesting things to my colleague Saurav Roy Berman who interviewed him at some length. So he for example has his own analysis on why he thinks the MNF lost. MNF we thought had actually positioned itself quite well giving refuge to cookie refugees coming in from Manipur taking a strong stand in defense of the tribals who are cousins to the tribals of Mizoram in the neighboring state of Manipur and also making its displeasure quite evident with the, with the central government. In fact, Zoram Thanga, the outgoing chief minister, even refused to share his stage at an election rally with the prime minister. That was to show his displeasure. But that did not work. He still got defeated quite badly. 
So how does Lal Duhoma explain this? He says to Saurabh Roy Burman, and I will share a link of the story with you. He says, and I quote, the MNF has lost its regional identity by joining the NDA and NEDA. NEDA, NEDA is Northeast Democratic Alliance. That is what the BJP has set up of, for combining all the chief ministers of Northeastern states. And then he goes on to say, Lal Duhoma, it has diluted its essence. My party, ZPM, is the only genuine regional party in Mizoram. We are a regional party with a national outlook and underline this. And I am not going to join any political platform at national level. I would like to keep our own identity. And then he goes on to say that he'll neither join NDA nor NEDA. Then his criticism of MNF also comes from the idea, from the argument he says that while MNF might have said that we are a regional party and we have our own view, but the fact is that they voted with NDA. They voted with NDA on, on certain issues where Mizos might have a different view. For example, his MP, there's only one MP from Mizoram, that MP voted along with the BJP on Citizenship Amendment Act. Now, CAA, NRC is something that Northeastern states do not like. Definitely the Northeastern tribal states do not like. So the MNF MP voted with the BJP on that. Also on the vote of no confidence, the MNF MP voted with the BJP. That, he says, convinced the people of Mizoram that MNF was not exactly a party which belonged to Mizoram and kept its autonomy, but it was fully aligned to the BJP, which people don't like. And that is the reason, he says, that he will he will keep, keep good relations with everybody, but he will not join an alliance. There are a couple of other very important takeaways from, from the Mizoram election. The next one is, first I told you, the First, I told you a generational shift from the MNF slash underground slash insurgency genera generation to a new one, to a new politics. The second is a complete decline and decimation of the Congress party. This is a Christian majority state. It, it's nearly 88% Christian. Of the rest, also about 8% are Buddhists. Hindus may be 2 to 2.5%. So this is, this is not a state of Hindu-Muslim Hindu polarization. This is a state of a minority. It's one of the three Christian majority states in India, Nagaland and Meghalaya being the other two. Even there, the Congress party, which ruled the state for a very long time, is down to one seat. So Congress party has to ask some questions of itself. Now, Congress party might turn around and say, oh, so who's Lal Duhuma? He left our party. A lot of his party members are people who left our party. But that's the whole point. Why did the Congress party break apart as badly as it did in Mizoram? But then you could ask that question of the Congress party in many other states as well. Given the unique demographics of the state, it's also interesting to look at vote shares. So Congress party won only one seat, but got nearly 21% of the vote. That is 20.81% of the vote. So once again, the same story, Congress party has a lot of its vote intact, but not the critical mass to translate this into numbers. MNF. 35.1% of the vote, but only 10 seats. ZPM, the new victor, 37.86% of the vote, but 27 seats. That's the magic or beauty of the first-past-the-post system. BJP, the BJP's vote share, if anything, has gone down by 3 percentage points, from 8% to about 5%. It has gone down from 8% to 5%, but its seats have gone up from 1% to 2%. That's because if you look at the map, you see where the BJP seats are. These are the, these are the southernmost corners of the state, bordering Myanmar. These constituencies have a high Chakma, Chakma population, which is 
Buddhist population, so not Christian population. And those two seats, the BJP has won. And even if it's got 5% votes overall, a lot of these will be in areas like these, in these two seats and some other areas. Now, all of your political pundits, so I don't think I need to explain it to you, but nevertheless, in case somebody is wondering that how come Congress with over 20% vote only has one seat and BJP with 5% has two, that's because because the BJP's vote is concentrated in these two seats and that general area. That's why it translates into, in, into seats there. That is how the first-past-the-post system works. And since I started this episode with the talk of the generational shift from the underground era to the era of new politics, new post-underground, post-insurgency politics, I can't let you go away without telling you one story. And this is the story of Vanlal Zari. Vanlal Zari was 23, a woman, 23 and a secretary. She worked as a secretary in the IGP's office when, when that insurgent raid took place and that massacre took place. She was charged with complicity with the assassins. She was charged with complicity with the assassins. She was given a long jail sentence. Later, she came overground, joined the mainstream as part of the General Amnesty and Peace Accord. Now, I will share with you a story that, that I wrote for India today then and see, and, see, and see the passage where we quote her from that story. We'll enlarge it for you on your screens. I, I have told you, I must have told you the story earlier also, but it's one of those stories I really cherish. In that conversation, she said, because I asked her that, look, you were fighting for sovereignty, independence. What happened? You are now joining the Indian mainstream. In fact, she was working in an office which had a board saying emissaries of peace. And she at that point was making posters for the MNF for the elections. And she said, and this is a direct quote from her from that story, it is true that we fought for sovereignty, but sovereignty by itself does not mean freedom. Poland is sovereign, but is it free? Now in 1986, you had to be a very evolved mind to be able to say that because Cold War had not yet ended. In Poland, there were some, some stirrings with the solidarity movement under Lech, Lech, Lech Wawinsa. But for, for, but for somebody who had just come out of jail in Mizoram to know this and to lecture me on this showed a very highly evolved mind. So she came over ground. So she came over ground in 1999. She was restored in her job in the police. In 2013, she retired as a deputy superintendent of police. When she was in jail, she wrote a diary called Zari Diary. It was written in Mizo language. Intelligence agencies had a translated copy. So some friend of mine in one of the intelligence organizations passed on an English version, a translated version of Zari Diary to me. I now notice that in 2022, that is last year, she's 71 now, she released that diary in a book form, it has been edited and put together by two Mizo PhD scholars, helped her put this book together, that is C. Tarampuya Banshiao and Minthan Zuali. And I would say they've done a very good job. And I would commend them also for the com contribution they've made. I will also share with you the link of a story from a regional newspaper on the release of that book. <laughs>